0: Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Okay,
2: okay, okay. okay. Ah!
3: Oh.
4: Play my theme music, Corey. Play my theme
2: hey, I'm music. So a Tuesday edition of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5 Corey LaBounty, along with Nick Wiggins. Hoping you had a wonderful Labor Day weekend for those that were able to tune in to us yesterday. We thank you very much. And, again, five straight days of college football, Thursday through last night. And we saw an epic win by Coach Mike Elko and the Blue Duke devils upsetting the clemson tigers so we have plenty of football on the plate today here on wnsp we'll talk to michael casagrande al.com chris gordy will keep us locked on the sec and we'll talk to tim brando from fox sports right around 4 30 and you don't want to miss talking football presented by chavis fine furniture chavis talking football from 5 to 6 so plenty of football football and more football on wnsp today and we want to correspond with you in the app you can download that free sound of mobile app to any android or apple device you have call us the old-fashioned way 251-694-1055 251-694-1055 is how you can reach us and that theme music That you played at the beginning of the show, Nick Wiggins. Yes, sir. Man, that is Deion Sanders' 2023-2024 theme music for his locker room.
4: If you could just walk around and say, hey, play my theme music, and a song would start playing, what would it be?
2: I had to think about that one. Have all to right. think about hey, that. But look, a but Dion,
4: he's on that level where he can do that. There's a Bluetooth speaker somewhere with someone just having that button ready to hit play at all times. And Dion and the Colorado Buffaloes, man, they are, I didn't think it was going to happen this week, but it did. They, they all believe now, Dion. Colorado in the new AP top 25 poll, 22nd in the country. They did it. They proved the doubters wrong.
2: Corey. Do you believe I do not believe Man. in the Colorado Buffaloes and Deion Sanders? You're one and O. Oh, congratulations on one major and shocking college upset to start the season. Did I think they could do it? No, I did not. Deion Sanders and his son Shadour, put some respect on that young man's name. I'll put put plenty of respect anytime you pass for 510 yards and four touchdowns. One of the most prolific performances or the most prolific performance by any Colorado Buffalo in the history of the program as, as that was record setting performance. But Shadur Sanders didn't do it alone. He had Dylan Edwards, the young fella, three receptions, receiving touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. And you look at the best two-way player in the country, Travis Hunter, number one overall prospect in the country, decided to follow Deion Sanders to Jackson State. And because he followed him to Jackson State, a lot of people hadn't heard of Travis Hunter. Well, guess what? Now you've heard of him now because this two-way player, 141 snaps yeah. total, 80 defensively, 61 offensively, an INT receiving yards. Dion and the Colorado Buffaloes have to win a lot more football games for Shadur or for Travis or for Dylan Edwards to actually win the Heisman Trophy. I don't trophy. think they need to win
4: that many. I think if Colorado Man. wins eight games, they can go eight and four. You don't have to, that many. Eight wins? You don't think there's that many? Normally, if you're winning the Heisman, you're winning at least ten games. Man, if, you, if you're they in win. the college football playoff. Colorado, if they finish in the top mm. 25, in the top 25, they, they can be won't number be in the 25. Top 25. Won't and happen. If Travis Hunter continues to play the way that he played <laughs> on Saturday, he deserves to be your Heisman Trophy winner. It, won't
2: it, happen. Won't happen. They Man. won't be in the top twenty-five at the end of what the year. What does
4: it take for you to believe?
2: It's going to take them getting off to maybe a four and zero or five and zero start, become bowl eligible, and I'll believe. You, you you've already met your one win, which was the equivalent of what Colorado won. But I, I I know this. You know you've only finished in the top twenty-five once in the past twenty seasons. So that went over TCU, whether you were a betting man or a non-betting man, it was impressive. And I know it's a new year, and I know TCU did play in the national championship game, whether we liked it or not, a year ago. And whether they got their skulls busted or not, That the, the score is evident in the national championship game. But I am not a believer in the Colorado Buffaloes.
4: I, I, I watched a clip online of Michael Irvin, Talking to the Colorado Buffaloes during a practice. And that sold me on them the rest of the year. He said, it don't matter how much you raise your skill. If you don't deepen your will. And man, Colorado, they got the will to win. They believe in one another, man. And that's all on Dion.
2: They're, on, they're coming at number 22. So congratulations for them. I'm cracking the top 25 there, um, right right above Colorado man I, I just say Duke the blue Devils Riley Leonard puts on a show last night for the Duke faithful and and you know Riley he even had to ask his professor for permission. To turn in a paper late, I, I don't think he would have to ask for any permission. But that's the kind of guy Riley Leonard is right. to ask his professor on national television for an extension yeah, on the paper. Dude, dude at halftime, remember
4: he had homework, and he said, "All right, guys, in the second half, we got to blow these guys out the water so I can get that extension
2: on, on that paper." Does. They rushed the field last night. I, I love to. You, you don't really see Cameron Indoor rush the field or rush to court there on Coach K's court, but when you win the type of football game, first time since 89 you have an opportunity to upset a top-10 team. Man, what is really going on with the Clemson Tigers? The Clemson Tigers take that L and drop all the way to number 25, and when you do continue to look at the top five, no question that Georgia is still going to come in at number one.
4: So is this more Duke being good, or is this more Clemson being bad? Did they just get so a lot of unlucky chances and balls to not bounce their way? I mean, Clemson had more yards than Duke in every category. Uh, Clemson was more efficient on third down. But you have this crucial turnovers. They're, they only come away with seven points. You know, Riley Leonard, he didn't have like that good of a, game passing 17 of 30 375 yards he ran it you know almost for 100 yards off only eight carries but duke did what they needed to do when it counted those running backs were running fast they, they all duke
2: looked faster than clemson you, you cannot miss field goals yep. in the red zone in the red zone area you can't have turnovers going in to the end zone you can't have that type of A problem if you're Dabo Sweeney. And, and, you know, Duke scores that last one late. And I know Dabo, you know, a lot of people don't like Dabo Sweeney. Why? Because he beat Alabama and because he has plenty of swagger for you. And I I personally think Dabo is a winner. You look at where he's taking this Clemson program, and yes. Once you get to the top, it's hard to maintain it. And I don't know, you know, what their quarterback situation was in the offseason that caused one to go to Oregon State. And DJ, I won't even try to pronounce his last name, but DJ goes to Oregon State and puts up fine numbers. And what they had last night was not bad from a quarterback position. But Dabo Sweeney is trying to continue to keep this program off life support. And to fall out of the top 25 after the first week coming in at number nine, I will say this. You look at these two programs, Colorado and LSU. The hype behind LSU coming into this season was greater than that of Colorado. The expectations for LSU greater than any other program in the country. The pressure is greater on Brian Kelly than it is with Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders was not expected to win a national championship in year number one. Brian Kelly is expected to win a national championship in year two because of what's going on around him athletically and the success that baseball and women's basketball has had. But if you look at the hype train, which hype train? I know you love LSU. Nick, you picked them to get to the SEC Championship yes. and to be successful. And they're still undefeated in the SEC. So you're on you're on that LSU hype train. We're Which train it. are you going to stay on? Is it going to be the LSU train or is it going to be the Colorado train?
4: The I've hit a couple bumps on that LSU train already and we just left the station. So I'm a little weary about the rest of my journey on that train. The Colorado train, man. I, I'm riding that thing till the conductor hop off, man. As long as Dion is leading the train, you can catch me right there on the caboose, man. And I'm going to be having a great time riding it. LSU, I'm not giving up on them yet. Because let's remember, people, they they could have went into that half up 28-14 on Florida State. They looked like they were the better team. They were outplaying them. They were giving uh, Florida State's quarterback, Travis, a lot of issues. They almost had a pick at the 10-yard line. I don't know what happened in that second half, man. I don't know what happened. It was like they, they touched one of them dang space jam balls at halftime, and it sucked all their powers away. They didn't know what the heck was going on. But let's just hope this week at Grambling they can figure it out, get it together. Oh, but I'm not hopping
2: off the LSU train okay. just yet. Okay. So so the, the, the powerful locomotive – that is Deion Sanders, the hype that is the Colorado Buffaloes. You do look at Shiloh and Shadur Sanders having the throwback Nike DT 96 cleats on that their father wore when he was in the NFL. So you do see the similarities in athleticism between Shadur and Deion Sanders, but throwing for 510 yards. Coming from Jackson State, people saying he couldn't get it done. That was against lesser competition. That was against SWAC competition. Man, he put TCU and the rest of the nation on notice. If you think Coach Rule there at Nebraska isn't worried about Shadur Sanders going for another 350 or 400 yards, got another thing coming to you. Now, Georgia holds on to that AP top 25, number one ranking. And even though it wasn't pretty for the Bulldogs, they found a way to get it done. Michigan has two first-place votes. Alabama didn't pick up any first-place votes, even though they bump up in the polls to number three. Florida State comes up and crawls up to four. Ohio State falls down to five, and Ohio State had their hands full against Indiana. USC, Penn State, Washington, Tennessee, and Notre Dame rank out the top ten. Now, what I am surprised is that the AP poll did not find a way to make sure you were going to get a top ten matchup between Alabama and Texas because it just looks sexier on paper when you do have – three versus 10 or three versus nine but texas comes in ranked number 11 getting ready to travel to tuscaloosa to take on alabama
4: look man i've been saying i'm rocking with texas but i'm i am i'm not gonna say i'm wrong because i haven't been wrong about anything just yet alabama looked better on saturday than texas looked. they looked faster they looked more put together they looked way more efficient their quarterback looked like he had more spark but like you said and we've all said many times before the biggest improvements is from week one to week two and I mean I I don't disagree with them not putting Texas in at 10 you know the teams that jump them are Notre Dame who won 56 to 3 Tennessee who won 49 to 13 against Virginia Washington who won 56 to 19 against Boise State so when you're only winning 37-10, to 10, I say only, right? You still won by 27 points. Just the eye test, man. I mean, honestly, you could argue that maybe Oregon should be over them winning 81-7, to 7, but that was against,
2: you know, Portland State. Is Duke a fluke? No, they're not a fluke. Coach Mike Elko... Has done this thing the right way. You look at the amount of wins that they had a year ago. I think it was right at nine. And now he has this program in the AP college football poll for the first time since 2018. That's that's pretty impressive. Now, I, I think that Florida State clearly put the nation on notice with their second-half performance. Florida State going to be in the college football playoff. Florida State? They're going to be in the college football playoff. I was debating about them in Ohio State. Yeah. But I think Florida State runs into a little bit more of a buzzsaw than Ohio State does just because of the Michigan and Ohio State winner will find themselves playing for that championship in the Big Ten. So that's where I give, even though the ACC has its conference championship also, I, I just... I don't see it happening. Now, what I do love is the fact that you still have Tulane in the top 25. But how does Colorado supersede Tulane? Tulane coming off a very successful season. I think that with what they have coming back at quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks in the country, Michael Pratt, 14 out of 15, 294 and four touchdowns against South Alabama. Very efficient. Ole Miss. And Tulane, 20 and 24, meet one another this weekend, which should be one of the best top 25 matchups outside of Alabama and Texas. No, you're right, man. And look, that's a good
4: point. I mean, Tulane, they beat USC in their bowl game last year. But I guess when they're looking at it and doing their votes, it, it is odd that they didn't really move. But Colorado beat TCU. That was the team that was in the College Football National Championship last year. Yeah, they were only ranked number 17, but that's higher than not being ranked at all, which South Alabama was. And look, man, you're saying, I'm telling you, look, Florida State, they're going to go undefeated this year because I'm looking at the schedule. Who did we all think was the toughest game against Florida State in a weaker ACC before last night? It was Clemson. Based off that game, Florida State's going to beat them by at least 20 points. Then their only other tough game and ranked opponent is Duke. That's it. Florida doesn't look good. They're not worried about them. Florida State, if they play their cards right and they keep showing up, They are going to be in that playoff, man.
2: We'll find out real quick with this Florida State-Clemson matchup happening September 23rd. That's right, not too far away. it's in this month. It's in this window here of three weeks to where a lot will be unveiled, and we'll continue to unveil our thoughts about not only the new AP Top 25, about Duke defeating Clemson. We'll also talk about Auburn getting shown a little love in the top 25 as well. The final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with Nick Wiggins joining you on this Tuesday edition of the final drive.
5: Hey, this is Slick Willie Shaw from the world famous Harlem Globetrotters. You're listening to sports
6: radio WNSP 105.5 FM.
4: Welcome back to The Final Drive. And, guys, this week we are going to be previewing that Alabama-Texas matchup. We are going to be hammering that. But, look, if you want to be hammering back maybe some drinks while you're watching that game and you want to win a T-shirt and you want to try to win Iron Bowl tickets and you want to try to win an Alabama jersey and you want to rub it in my face when Alabama's up 20 points, then you got to come to The Outsider on Saturday, 6 o'clock. they got 22 TVs that we can watch it on. They're going to have food and beer specials. You're not going to want to miss that. That's Saturday at 6 for the Texas-Alabama game. Come watch it with WNSP at the Outsider in downtown Mobile.
2: A lot of love going to be shown there at the watch party. Can't wait for that. And a little love shown for the Auburn Tigers football program receiving three points in the AP top twenty five votes. Bad, not bad. I I think that Auburn, you go out here and you handle your business against California and then you handle your business against Samford, depending on what the outcome and the score may be, because voters love points, right? That that's what's that's what gets viewers and, and poll watchers and voters excited when they see a lot of points scored and they see your defense step up to the plate. Auburn cracking the top 25 possibly after their performance against Cal. And I, I do expect Auburn to win versus Cal. And to have Sanford the following week to continue to get that defense playing a lot better. And I know that, Nick, yesterday you made the statement that Deion Sanders should be the highest paid football coach in college football. That's right. Now, that's beyond jumping on the hype train. That's beyond believing in the I'm Colorado buffalos to the
4: station, man. You, 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 you're going to pull him into the station. That's right. Look, how can you go from winning one game, and then you come in, and you play one game, and now you're in the top 25? He flipped it around quick, man. Nobody can do it like Dion. There's nobody on earth that could have went to Colorado and pulled off what he did on Saturday. No
2: body. Those who believe I think we've seen some greater upsets than what we witnessed with Colorado defeating TCU can't take anything away from that tremendous victory and that program. A program that is priding itself on that 1990 National Championship having success against Nebraska. Those Colorado-Nebraska games growing up in the late 80s early 90s were epic they were fun to watch they were what college football was all about must see t- tv this week again fox opens up with colorado and nebraska once again Dion goes to 2 and 0 let's just say Dion does go to 2 and 0 and colorado wins it at what they come in at 22 in this ap poll where do you stick a 2 and 0 colorado buffalo's program
4: it depends how bad they kill nebraska man and you got to think look they did that to tcu in tcu this is going to be their first home game at nebraska so they they might win by 30 they might creep into the top 20 maybe around 18
2: 19 so you think they can they can creep up by at least four or five spots by be an emphatic victory over Nebraska, even if it's a close win, let's just let's not look at at, at what the score is going to be. Let's just look at the fact that it's going to be a W for the Colorado Buffaloes.
4: If it's close, then they'll probably stay about where they're at because that's what it's looking like. You know, a lot of the teams that won it close or didn't really win big blowouts, they kind of stayed where they were.
2: So if it if it's not a blowout, they'll just stay where they're at. TCU dropped all the way out of the preseason rankings. Yeah, they're gone. So you don't you don't see them at all in the top twenty five in the AP. And I think that Colorado, if they're able to to defeat a Nebraska squad, Nebraska on the other hand, Dion goes one and one. Let's say they lose right. Where do you think Colorado they it would be one of the quickest exits out of the top twenty five ever?
4: <laughs> no, because the quickest exit out of the top twenty-five ever, ever is one week, and that happened to TCU. You can't be quicker than that. Mm,
2: they
4: they, just, they oh, were ranked. looking for a way to bring Dion down, man. You're I, looking for I, a way to bring him I'm down. I'm just,
2: I don't believe. They believe. They believe I don't in believe the other,
4: and that's all that matters.
2: <laughs> I don't believe. I don't believe. I believe I You're saw cynical. You're cynical. A, a very special and spectacular performance out of Shadur Sanders and Dylan Edwards and Travis Hunter. I do believe that. But outside of that, nope, not a Colorado believer. Michael Casagrande. I
4: know know who you believe in, though, that Alabama
2: Crimson Yes, sir. Michael Casagrande, AL.com. Joining us next here on The Final Drive to talk the Texas-Bama rematch.
6: Uh, this is Tim Brando of Fox Sports telling everyone along the Gulf Coast in Mobile. Listen to the opening kickoff with Mark and Lee on 105.5 WNSP.
2: Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Nick Wiggins on this Tuesday afternoon. And we're getting you ready for the epic matchup as the Texas Longhorns come to Tuscaloosa for the first time since 1902 and making his debut. I don't know if Michael Casagrande can remember that game in 1902 like Lee Shavanian can or not, but the senior sports reporter at AL.com joins us. Michael, how's it going this afternoon?
7: Oh, it's great.
2: How's everything down there? Man, it's terrific because we're getting ready to prepare our listeners for Alabama versus Texas 2.0, Saban versus Sark. Of course, last year, a wonderfully played game by both teams in regards to how it ultimately finished. It kept you on the edge of your seat till the end. Bryce Young is gone. Alabama replaces Bryce with Jalen. Jalen has a lot of of momentum coming off last week's win versus Middle Tennessee State.
7: Yeah, no, he definitely impressed with uh, the opportunity he had. Uh, I think there are a lot of curious people how he was going to uh, handle that role. Um, but I mean, it's it's hard to say exactly how that'll translate against a better team like Texas. But he couldn't have done a whole lot more uh, to prove that he prove at least his role in that game and um, yeah I, I think it makes her a much more interesting build up to this game on Saturday.
2: You wrote a great article on AL dot com about a lot of people forget Steve Sarkisian, he, he's been the head coach before at Brian denny Stadium, that being in the COVID year in which Nick Saban had to watch the Iron Bowl from the house, so he's been part of one of the most electric atmospheres that you can imagine in regards to playing at Brian denny Stadium, but the friendship that Coach Saban and Coach Sark have and the respect for one another is great.
7: Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, you listened to uh, Sark yesterday in his news conference uh, echoing uh, Nick Saban's sayings. His mindset sounds very similar to what you what he learned here. Um, he listed his two coaching mentors as Pete Carroll, was a long longtime uh, boss at USC, and Nick Saban. I mean, Saban brought him back for a second time. Not not many coaches come back for round two um after being there previously, uh when he came back from the Falcons in twenty nineteen. Um, so I think that says a lot about at least what Saban thinks of him and his coaching abilities that um he would have left and then be welcomed back a second time.
2: Michael, were you at all surprised with the AP Top 25 in Texas not really cracking the Top 25? Because as I mentioned to our listeners, it's a little bit sexier on paper when you have a Top 10 matchup between two opponents with a historic tradition like Alabama and Auburn.
7: Yeah, no, I mean, it wasn't. I don't know whether it's surprising at, at a certain point with these polls and, you know, what they even mean to begin with. But, no, I mean, Texas wasn't they were exactly where they were a week ago. They were eleven. Um, they didn't exactly blow people away with uh the win they had over Rice. Um a slow start in that game didn't really pull away till the end. So uh, you know, there were there were enough other games of interesting of note to to jostle things around. There's a lot of movement in that, that first uh first poll after the preseason. So yeah, I mean with 10, 11, whatever, I think it's it's Alabama and Texas. I think um, I think the the intrigue. It was more about what happened last year and how close it was, and how Alabama barely escaped that game at Texas last year. That kind of adds to the intrigue, and you know the recruiting battles they've had that that kind of make this thing. Whether you put it on paper, one you know top 10, top whatever, I think that's kind of where that the excitement comes from that.
4: The focus this past week and on Saturday was all about the quarterback position and Jalen Milrow and the depth chart. I'm curious outside of that, what was the most interesting thing you learned about this Alabama football team on Saturday?
7: Yeah, well, you know, I, I think I think there were it was purposefully designed to not learn a whole lot. Um, I think the the, the playbooks were kinda dialed back to to not tip too much of the hand as to what will be coming this week. But I, I mean, in general I think they were, were better disciplined. Uh no offensive penalties, very few um at all, no turnovers. I mean those are the kind of the things that got last year's team big time. Um were those the mistakes Granted, again, it was Middle Tennessee State, the, not the same pressure. I mean, there were definitely – there were one or two passes, I said, in the press box that I said, that, uh, the cross-field passes from Milrow that he threw that I said you wouldn't want to do that one again, uh, not next week and not against the SEC. Well, if it took a little bit of time to get to their destination, that if there was a quicker DB safety, would have gone for seven the other way. So I think, you know, it's still, it's still really early to, to make many – real big determinations or real conclusions. Um, but they did what they had to do. They played the team they had in front of them. And, you know, I think last year, or if you go back a year ago, Utah State, 55-0 win, things looked pretty good. Things for me, you know, revenge tour and all this and that. And then they go to Texas the next week and I think kind of set the tone for what was to come the rest of the year. So not that this Saturday will be the ultimate Yardstick, but I think you'll learn a whole lot more, a whole lot more this Saturday than you had We speaking from last
2: weekend. Michael Casagrande, senior sports reporter at AL.com, covering the Crimson Tide. And one year ago, Quinn Ewers takes that injury, was very effective up until the point to where he did have that injury. And you look at who's returning for this Texas squad. It's Xavier Worthy. I know Coach Saban made mention of him by name. He was a thorn in the Crimson Tide's side uh, a year ago. No Bijan Robinson, but you still have, this front four and this front seven of the Texas Longhorn defense that's going to remember what happened to them a year ago?
7: I mean, Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, yours looked as good as anyone could in the first, uh, you know, first quarter before he got hurt, and, and that's what Sark's known for. He's, he's great for that script, that opening script. I mean, I remember thinking in the press box there in Austin that there were some beautifully drawn-up plays and executed perfectly. Um, and, you know, it was you never got the chance to see what you do, what would have done if you wouldn't have. You know, once they got off that script, um, but yeah, I mean that, that that Texas offense was turning him out, um, and it you know could have been a much different outcome if he would have been healthy the whole time. But yeah, I mean it, it, it was kind of up and down from there from him for the rest of the season, and all the talk in the off season, uh, the recruiting battle and getting Arch Manning. But it, you know, you're not going to re. Really, Unless gets hurt, you were to get hurt, I do not expect to see him play in this game on Saturday.
2: When you look at one of the keys to Alabama defeating Texas this coming Saturday at Brian Denny Stadium, what would you say would that number one key would be for Alabama to be victorious?
7: Um, that, I mean, a lot of the time, especially with the Texas' strengths, winning that line of scrimmage on offense. The offensive line versus that front seven, I know that the Texas had a lot of success with that last year, um, return a lot there. So I think, you know, anytime you can almost call this a, an SEC game since they'll be in the conference next year, that you got to win that battle up front. And if you can control that line, you can get some push. I mean, I know Alabama wants to run the ball. Uh, if they can do more of that, I think, um, I think that would be optimal and what would seem to be, Uh, lower scoring than normal game. I mean, last year was 20 to 19, pretty low scoring for this era of football. So I think anytime you have a game like that, controlling the line of scrimmage and the clock will be a big thing
2: the hype that's being surrounded by this game, the the anticipation of what we saw one year ago about what we're going to see in Tuscaloosa, do you expect it to be probably one of the loudest crowds that have ever shown up and showed out to Bryant-Denny Stadium in primetime football on ESPN on Saturday night?
7: Yeah, yeah. It it wouldn't surprise me, for sure. The the weather looks like, at least for now, looks like it's going to cooperate not gonna be too oppressively hot you know be getting to the evening time by the time you get to that uh the the lights come on yeah i I think you know it should be one of those classic atmospheres it's been a long time since i mean technically it's still a uh, non-conference team coming into bryant and it's been i think uh 2010 with penn state might have been the last one of those and that was very cool so um I think anytime you can uh, bring a different fan base that's not used to being here mixing all that together gonna make it pretty, for, you know, for an interesting uh, environment. What's
4: your opinion on this whole uh, Texas band up in the nosebleed story?
7: Mm. Yeah, no, I'm working on something along those lines right now, but, I mean, it's it's petty. It's, you know, it's, it's pettiness. It's, uh, you know, it doesn't really help the atmosphere for anything to have... You know, to to push visiting crowds to to the bad seats, I I get it, it's all part of, there's, uh, you know, administrators like to do this kind of stuff and infighting among themselves, but it really doesn't make it any more interesting for anybody else, Um, you know. Read more. Uh, I have more coming on that at nail.com I'll just I'll say that much.
2: Exactly, Deontay Lawson here. One year ago, before he goes down, he he had a very successful game versus Texas a year ago, and he's been called the alpha dog of this defense here of the Crimson Tide for 2023. How, have you been surprised with his productivity, or is it kind of just hey, I'm the next up in line, and I've sat back and learned from the best and absorbed from the best, and now. I'm going to take full advantage of my opportunity to shine.
7: Yeah, not surprising. Yeah, I mean, it's it's in the long line of linebackers that came through this program. That um, yeah, it's kind of been a hallmark of these defenses over the years. Um, maybe haven't been as strong, maybe in recent years as they had been somewhat recently. But I think yeah, no, it's not surprising that he's into a bigger role and, and obviously showed, showed up on uh, Saturday night.
2: Well, I'll tell you, we know that where you'll be Saturday night. We know where our eyeballs will be at on Saturday night. How can everyone follow all of your continuous and great coverage, not only leading up to kickoff Saturday night, but pre- and post-game coverage as well as your tremendous cover, have tremendous coverage of the Alabama Crimson Tide year-round?
7: In, I mean AL dot com, uh it's all over there. You can it social medias, Twitter, X, whatever they call it now, uh by Costa Grande, um on a Facebook page, um find it all over the place. Uh type in my name, there aren't too many of us out there, so it should should pop up pretty quickly.
2: Michael, thank you so much and looking forward to reading all of your great coverage as the game unfolds this coming Saturday. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule to join us here on the final drive on WNSP
7: 105.5. Yep, thanks for having
2: me. Michael Casagrande, Nick, and like you you stole his thunder there. He didn't want to give you too much. Oops. He wanted people to continue to to click on what he was going to put about maybe the pettiness of the institutions going tit for tat as the million dollar band had to sit in the nosebleed section a year ago
4: speaking of pettiness you and i should we should come up with
2: some type of little
4: bet on uh how this game goes on saturday what if 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 alabama loses you gotta come in on monday dressed like a cowboy and then if texas loses i'll come in rocking all alabama gear or something
2: well you get ready to go to party city brother (laughs) because that's where you're going to have to go to get those Halloween costumes ready. They're they're out on the shelves, Nick. Hey,
4: look, man, just make sure you're wearing uh, some jeans under those chaps, man.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Will do. The final drive here on WNSP 105.5. We'll be right back.
3: Hi, I'm Michael Pierce, NFL defensive tackle. When I'm in the city of Mobile, you
0: can normally find me at WNSP 105.5.
2: Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. I want to thank Michael Casagrande, AL.com, for joining us to talk a little bit about the Crimson Tide preparing for the Texas Longhorns. And Duke defeats Clemson, number nine-ranked Clemson as of last night. Clemson drops all the way to number 25 in the new AP poll. And, Nick, I don't know how much weight you personally put on the polls and I don't know if the polls even matter because come late October, November when they have the college football selection show or prediction show that's all that really matters especially with this being the last year of having the top four in and it's better to get a gauge To me, the AP and the college coaches poll are just kind of gauges of where you are.
4: I I put a good bit of weight on the polls. I put about as much weight on the polls as Lizzo at a strip club. I mean, I think wherever they have it lined up is pretty accurate on where things are
2: at, so... And if you don't know, listeners, who Lizzo is <laughs> go, and don't realize and recognize that reference, go ahead and Google Lizzo, L-I-Z-Z-O. And say, Dang that man, that man uh, really stand by that. <laughs> and, and, and you'll see what Nick is referencing there. But Dabo Sweeney, he, he stands by his Clemson Tigers, even though that it was one of the most indescribable losses that you have. The only thing that you can describe is Three times in the red zone, coming away empty. That is what is the difference in last night's game. But Dabo Swinney talking post game against his Clemson Tigers.
8: Uh, you know, you just you go back to work. I mean, that's how you move on. I mean, just that's what that's what happens in life. You, that's what happens. In, that's what football teaches you. I mean, you get knocked down. You you got to keep moving. You get back up. When life when life knocks you down, you you get back up you know you don't stay down you 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 don't let it define you or destroy you you let it develop you you know and that's a choice that's a decision so we that's what we got to do we got to let this develop us into the type of team that we can be
2: let uh, it develop you into the type of team you think you can be is people, people say dabo is Daboing, clemson is Clemsoning. Uh, again this is says how many other people can say that they've had an opportunity to win and compete for national championships within the last seven years.
4: Yeah, but, I mean, what has he done lately, though? What has he done lately, though? We can't, you can only live in the glory days for so long. we got to live in the present. we got to move on. Dabo has not utilized the transfer portal like a lot of these schools have. Florida State being a team that really probably won the transfer portal, uh, you know, at least from what we've seen in week one. And Dabo, man, you got to keep up with the Joneses, man. Or you're going to get left behind. And that was just an embarrassing loss by his team. Uh, And look, you know, we were talking about Florida State, their big matchup. And Clemson's big matchup is going to be against each other. And whoever wins out of that is going to be the team to come out of the ACC. Well, it looks like, man, it's Florida State's to lose because Clemson, I'm off on Clemson, man.
2: Not I'm I not off Clemson. on Clemson. I'm not off on Clemson because anytime you have three turnovers, two block kicks, and are 0 three in the red zone, you're you're not going to win football games. Right. And do I expect that to be the standard that Clemson has? No, because again, statistically, you look at the box score from last night. Clemson, if you were just to glance at the box score, you would have said Clemson was winning this game. But the turnovers and the inability to score in the red zone is what ultimately hurt Clemson. See, and I yeah. think that they're going to give Florida State all they can handle, for sure. See, I don't understand how you're still riding the Dabo train. Proven. You won't hop on the Dion train. He's a proven winner. Dabo is a proven winner. Dion. Yeah, winner. How many games has he lost? Hey, in brother, FBS? Let, let me ask you this. How many games this. has he lost? Choke job, choke job. How many HBCU national championships did Deion Sanders win, we're bro? Talking about FBS, man. Hey, hey, he we're just made it, where, but but, but if, if, he's right elite, if he's elite, if he's elite, he would have won the FCS
4: man. national championship. Man, bro, you pulled up to work today in a DeLorean, brother, because N- you're no, living nope. in the past, man. Hey, we, hey, we, who was his quarterback last year? Who was his quarterback last year?
2: Who was his quarterback last year? His son. Okay, Shadur. All right. So you got Shadur Sanders and you got Travis Hunter, but you can't win an FCS national championship. The same guys that Torch, TCU, and FBS school that you just said came out of your mouth can't win a national championship, Nick. Hey, man. C- come look, on. Come on with it. Look, we're we yeah. talking,
4: come about, on. Now. Yeah, talking we, about now. Yeah. We're talking about now. Dion. Has flipped around a program quicker than anybody has ever done it in the history of college football. No sir, we going sir. from one loss to you in the top twenty-five. Week one, you were the worst. I don't know what the ranking was. You're in the bottom ten. <laughs> they were ten, bad. They bottom were bad. ten of college
5: <laughs> yeah, football. They were bad.
2: And now here you are, man. He's resurrected a historically great college football program, but I'm not sold on Dion yet, brother. He's had every opportunity to show what he could do. He came away empty. with With no, sw- he won the SWAC championship back to back, right? But no national championship. So, give again, the
4: man his money, man. Hey, look, y'all can hate on prime time. Y'all can hate on me all you want.
2: <laughs> I love it. Hey, but I, hey, I would say I, this. We
4: believe. I believe in myself. I believe in the man sitting next to me. We ain't
2: coming. We here. Hey, hey. The Colorado Buffaloes are here. We'll see what they do against Nebraska. I tell you, the SEC, we'll talk to Chris Gordy as we whip around the SEC to see week number two's matchups coming up this week.
0: The Sound of Mobile presents... For the win! The Final Drive. Oh, no, they didn't. Oh, my gracious. Yeah. How about that? With Corey Labounty and Dick Wiggins. For the win! Yeah! Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. Oh, oh, Unbelievable
2: welcome to hour number two of the final drive on WNSP 105.5 Corey Bounty along with Nick Wiggins joining you on this Tuesday afternoon want we'll to thank everyone for having us locked in and of course you can go ahead and download our free sound of mobile app to any Android or the Apple device you may have, absolutely free. Correspond with us on the app. We love to go ahead and take the criticism. We'll take the heat. We'll go ahead and let you know what our thoughts are. Some, you can Someone come back me up, man.
4: Come back me up. They're, they're, they're jumping on me, man. They're not on the Dion train. Where are my, where my believers at?
2: And We, we need a, a few more believers to <laughs> hop on with Nick and this Colorado Buffalo tidal wave that he sees coming I don't see it. It's one game. Congratulations, 1-0. and Good for the Colorado Buffaloes. Lost. But I will say this. The 0-1 LSU Tigers is a little bit of a shocker for those who saw LSU get 31 consecutive points scored on them without having an answer. And Florida State, they're starting to get a lot of national love in the polls now. And our next guest, Chris Gordy host of Locked on SEC, joins us. Chris, how's it going, my brother?
6: It's good, guys. I was uh, I was down in Orlando, witnessed that one firsthand. And, uh, yeah, it was not pretty. But, um, you know, after having a chance to, you know, a couple days to digest it and kind of go back and rewatch the film, I will say, like, I, I don't think the world is ending for LSU fans. Like, I, I do think that they still have a really good team. Uh, I thought they actually outplayed Florida State much of that first half. They shot themselves in the foot uh, with multiple times getting down to the red zone and not executing and and coming away with zero points. And in the second half, they they had their moments. I mean, late in the third quarter, you know, LSU's driving their midfield on a third and six. Jayden Daniels, hits Kyron Lacey right in the hands. He drops the football. Uh, Florida State gets the ball. They go down and score. LSU gets the ball back. They take a deep bomb to Brian Thomas down near the goal line. He drops the pass. I mean, there's just little self-inflicted wounds that LSU had all throughout that game. And uh, you know, I think they're going to make. I do think they're going to make adjustments. I think they'll fix those on offense. I think they'll uh, figure out how to get uh, Harold Perkins more involved defensively. I know this whole offseason move, moving him to middle linebacker, they thought was the best move. But they need their best playmakers making plays. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they slide him back as the true defensive end edge rusher again and, and try to make some plays there. It just, I, I was more encouraged by LSU, and I think it was more an indictment of how good Florida State is. It's funny. I saw LSU fans today say, you know, is Brian Kelly even the right coach and things like that? I'm going, guys, this is what happens when you schedule a top-eight team. Like, we could have played Mercer like Ole Miss. We could have played Middle Tennessee like Alabama. Well, pick one. Either you want to play the big dogs or you want to play big games, but – you can't act like the world is ending when you happen to lose the games either. It's, uh, again, like anybody who I saw somebody today who said, I wouldn't even have LSU ranked. And it's like, come on, are we overreacting? Because if LSU had played Elon and won 63-3, to we'd be saying, hey, how Jaden Daniels is in the Heisman competition. So, again, it's just, it, it's we cannot overreact too much to what we saw in week one.
4: Chris, you and I watched the same LSU game, I think. They could have went, been up at half 28-14, to 14, but they kept shooting themselves in the foot, and I don't know where they went in the second half. But look, they this is just Florida State. This is non-conference. There's still the potential that they can get it together, figure out what they did wrong, and still compete to make it to that SEC championship, don't you think?
6: Yeah, and, and uh, Newsflash, they did it a year ago. I mean, they lost this same very game, open the season against Florida State, albeit it was much closer, but, uh, you know, they did the same thing. Everybody was jumping ship. They said, oh, my God, Brian Kelly can't coach in the SEC, and lo and behold, the next few weeks, they start putting together some good wins. They beat Florida. They beat Mississippi State. They come back to beat Ole Miss, and of course, as we know, they beat Alabama and Nick Saban and Tuscaloosa, and that was the feather in the cap. They win the SEC West, and they get to double-digit wins in year one. I just... Again, I can't I can't just overreact to what I saw. I'm not defending it. It wasn't good. Ryan Kelly right. should have had his guys, you know, ready ready to play better than that. But you know, again, when we look around the SEC, it's just like. We can't, we, you know, when everybody else is playing cupcakes, what, what what, big takeaways are there to take away from Arkansas beating down Western Carolina? I mean, come on, like either, either we're playing good competition or not, but you can't be surprised when you lose the good competition. We saw Clemson look like absolute dog mess last night. Would it surprise you if I told you Florida State is the best team in the ACC and they might go undefeated? Because that might be the case.
2: Well, i tell you also within the Southeastern Conference, you're, you're going to see what Alabama's made out of as they welcome the Texas Longhorns to town. Jalen Milrow, there was no doubt really discussion for me since really the end of the bowl game a year ago who Alabama was going to lean on with Jalen Milrow being that starting quarterback. He, he showed up in, in historic fashion, and yes, it was against Middle Tennessee State, but when you look at the pressure, that was on him from an outsider's perspective, all the pressure on himself, not including himself, because he believed in himself. He's always believed in himself. That matchup match up with Texas. What are you expecting from Jalen Milrow in this Crimson Tide offense and defense?
6: Well, and again, this is another one on, on let's not overreact to, to week one. I thought Milrow did fantastic. I thought he looked great. Um, you know, it wasn't all pretty that, you know, there was a sack in there. there. There were some moments where it wasn't perfect, but I thought he did very well. And for all the questions of who's the starter, I thought, you know, he did enough for you to come away from week one and go, all right, he's our starter. We feel good about it. I know there were some Alabama fans that were nervous. You know, oh my God, are we going to lose to Texas? I think they came away confident in what they saw Saturday night and said, all right, we, we have a really good chance. If not, you know, overwhelmingly chance to, to beat Texas. I will say I was, this was when I was leaning Texas much of the offseason, but after watching Texas play Rice, and again, week one, we could overreact, um, I didn't think Texas executed very well. I mean, they they were up like, I think it was 16-3 to three at the half against Rice. Um, Quinn Ewers, for some reason, was not able to connect with his receivers down the field. It was a deep shot to Xavier Worthy. Worthy catches it, but he ends up out of bounds because that's where the ball was thrown. There was another one to A.D. Mitchell that was just, you know, he turned around, couldn't find the ball, lost it completely because Ewers was off the mark. I talked with my buddy who was there in Austin at the game. He said it was just one of those days that, like, Ewers was just not on the same page as his receivers, and he's like, it happened. Maybe it was just they were looking ahead. They felt like, oh, this is Rice. We can beat him handily, and they did. But You know, it goes back to if Quinn Ewers plays like that on Saturday, they ain't beating Alabama. I mean, he's going to have to bring his A game and play fantastic, which he did a year ago before he got knocked out of that game. I mean, he was hitting big plays, and uh, they were going up and down the field on Alabama. So, yeah, it it just goes to show, like, everything I thought about the offseason, though, and predicted, you know, you go out and have a lackluster week one against the Rice— yeah, suddenly I'm starting to doubt you. And you know, we saw what Alabama did against Middle Tennessee. Felt feel a little bit more comfortable about the tide and especially being in Tuscaloosa. So I don't know, man. It's it's up in the air. It's all about who shows up. We know Alabama's gonna show up, but we just don't know how good Jalen Milrow is. Like I had somebody tell me today, you know, is he is he Bryce Young good? No, probably not. But is he better than Jalen Hurts when you know when he was kind of average Jalen Hurts? He might be. Uh, we're going to find out on Saturday night real quick who, who, who Jalen Milrow is, and we're going to find out real quick, can, can Quinn Ewers in Texas correct their mistakes from last week?
2: Let's talk about the Auburn Tigers and that big win that they had over Massachusetts, 59-14. to At the end of the day, when you're playing a team that you're probably four-point favorites from a Vegas spread standpoint, four-touchdown favorites, Auburn in the debut of Hugh Freeze in front of a historic crowd, to me, answered the bell after they settled in after that first score by Massachusetts. And looking forward to seeing if they're going to have that West Coast fatigue in the latest game ever to kick off in the history of Auburn football.
6: Yeah, have you ever said those words today? You know, they got a big win over Massachusetts. Like, come on. <laughs> Week one just stinks. Uh, but no, to, to your point, like, Auburn was fantastic. I mean, Hugh Freeze, I I was picking UMass to cover the spread just because I thought they were going to show some signs of sloppiness, you know, just trying to develop that chemistry. Um, You know, I didn't think they'd all be on the same page, but they were. And. I talked about on you guys' show in in recent weeks that I thought Robbie Ashford was going to play a role in this offense. You pretty kept talking about him and even pointed it out in the press conference after the game. He's like, I I don't know know, how much I I had to keep saying it to you guys. We're going to play Robbie, and red zone Robbie is a thing, and and he is a dynamic weapon, and, uh, man, it's going to be a lot of fun to see how they utilize him as the season goes along because, you know, look, I thought he'd get in for a score or two. I didn't think he'd score three, so... Awesome to see Robbie Ashford, and I think Hugh Freeze is cooking with something. We're going to see a step up in competition, going out on the road to Cal, and Cal's no world beater, but it is tough to go on the road. You know, you're playing a Pac-12 opponent out on the West Coast, different time zone, all that kind of thing. So we'll see how Auburn responds. But, yeah, uh, first uh, first task, mi- mission accomplished for Hugh Freeze. And I thought Peyton Thorne was fine. You know, I'm glad he finally connected with the touchdown on, uh, to Jay Fair. I thought that was good. But uh, I was surprised there was no Jarquez Hunter, although, you know, with the offseason stuff, you had to think, okay, maybe that was, you know, was it a suspension? Was he just not healthy? Whatever the issue was, uh, you hope he's back in there real soon. But I I like what we saw from Auburn. Again, like, you you checked all the boxes in week one, and Auburn fans have reason to be optimistic.
4: What's your takeaway of uh, the Carson Beck debut at Georgia? I know some Georgia fans are a little uneasy about what they saw.
6: It was a mixed bag i mean i I love what we saw out of him in the spring game. He looked way more confident Matt than he did this past weekend, but I think just week one jitters uh you know, first time settling in the offense. I know Georgia fans there were some of them calling for Mike Bobo's head already uh coming back as the o c but uh he settled in you know had had a couple runs and you know finally found the end zone and um, you know, again, he was my Heisman dark horse, so I got to defend him a little bit, but it wasn't great. You know, I thought I thought he would have been, you know, 300-plus yards, three touchdowns, something like that when you're playing uh, uh, Tennessee Martin. But, yeah, I, I look, that, there's so much talent on that team. Brock Powers, they obviously got him involved a ton, and, you know, he's going to be his go-to target. Um, so I think Beck will be fine, but he was just kind of average to good for me in week one, but I, I think there's more to come from Carson Beck.
2: Let's look at the game that really didn't garner a lot of national attention, North Carolina and South Carolina. I expected more out of Coach Beamer and his squad. I know in the second half and the fourth quarter, it kind of got away from a Mac Brown having 100 wins at Texas and having 100-plus wins at North Carolina. You want to see how the Gamecocks are going to bounce back, but that's one that if you're going to beat someone, there's no better place than to say, look, I'm the champion of Carolina for sure. Yeah,
6: and it's what I told you. Get what I told you guys all summer. I was just nervous about the South Carolina offensive line, and they were Swiss cheese on Saturday night. I mean, it was bad. And I thought Spencer Rattler actually played pretty well. Like when you look at his numbers, when he had time to throw, he made great throws. Xavier Leggett. I mean, what what a weapon he's become. Uh, they they opted not to play. You know, Juice Wells wasn't wasn't a factor because he's still nursing that injury, but uh man like I, if they could just find a way to give rappler time i think south carolina could be good but my goodness uh no run game to speak of because they couldn't run the football and of course nine sacks for that north carolina bunch i just uh man, the, the 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 mo is out for sec teams you're playing south carolina pin your ears back and just you know go rush the passer because you can break through that old line and uh it was it was my big concern with South Carolina off season. They did very little to address it transfer portal and now we're we're seeing it come to fruition. You got a great quarterback, you got some weapons, but man, you you're not giving them any time to throw.
2: You also look at some of the other Southeastern Conference games coming up this week. I'm really intrigued with Ole Miss and Tulane. We see Tulane spank our South Alabama Jaguars and really give them a little life at 24-17. to But what a phenomenal quarterback that Tulane really does have. And I look forward to seeing Michael Pratt take on Lane Kippen and Coach Golding in his defense.
6: Yeah, danger spot for Ole Miss. I've been talking to some Ole Miss fans the last couple of days. They are feeling themselves. They think they're they're blank don't you know blank don't stink. Uh, they are uh, you know they they just I think they were saying that oh it was the biggest beat down and a non conference game for an SEC team in 90 years or something like guys. It was Mercer. It doesn't matter. Um, you know Jackson Dart looks fantastic. The run game looks good. Quinshon looks great. And all that, but. Dangerous spot. Do not overlook Tulane going into their house. Michael Pratt, fantastic quarterback, like you said, uh, beat up on South Alabama this past weekend for the Battle of uh, Supremacy for the title of home of Mardi Gras. Uh, that was interesting. Yeah, but, mobile. Um, no. Yeah, look, look. I think I think Tulane's got a great chance. And if Ole Miss goes in there lackadaisical at all, turns the football over, I think they're going to find themselves in a dogfight, a shootout with Tulane. So uh, I don't know if I'm calling for the full upset outright, but careful, Ole Miss. If you don't come in there and take your opponent serious, you will get beat. Because they just beat Caleb Williams a few months ago, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner in the bowl game. And, you know, we can argue, was USC trying? Yeah, they were trying. Caleb Williams was in that game, and Tulane won outright. So, uh, yeah, look, dangerous spot for for, uh, Ole Miss.
2: Texas A&M and Miami not getting a lot of love there, but you look at Petrino and Jimbo having worked things out in game number one against New Mexico State. A&M favored by four and a half, but the Hurricanes, they're one and oh and they're trying to get themselves to two and oh.
6: Yeah, it's a big one because Texas A&M fans love what they saw this past weekend against New Mexico. And I know it was New Mexico, but Let's let's be real. This is the same A and M team that lost to App State last year. So they were just happy to see competence on offense. Connor Wegman looks like he's the real deal. The Jimbo uh, Fisher hitting hit the, the reins off to Bobby Petrino. The offense looked really good. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm really intrigued by this one because if they can go into Miami, I don't know. This is not a great Miami team, but if they can go into Coral Gables and execute and score a bunch of points then I'll be ready to say A&M is back. The Petrino experiment is working, and they're going to be a real dangerous team in this SEC West that, again, questions still with Alabama, huge questions with LSU. Uh, A&M could certainly play spoiler and upset those teams, and and who knows, maybe even get to Atlanta for the first time since being in the SEC. So monster, monster game for A&M, and I'm real curious to see how they respond out there at, at Miami.
2: Chris, how can everyone follow all your tremendous coverage of the Southeastern Conference being locked on SEC throughout the entire week?
6: Yeah, just locked on SEC wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be uh, answering some questions tomorrow like, is the SEC overrated? I know that's what people are already jumping on. So we'll discuss that on the podcast tomorrow. Our buddy Chris Marlowe will join us later in the week, and uh, we'll make some expert picks going into the weekend. We did pretty well in week one. We'll see what we do in week two.
2: Thank you so much for your time, and we look forward to talking to you next week to see how things and all the picks and predictions unfold themselves. Yeah, thanks and uh, is Tulane the real home of Mardi Gras? That's the real question. No, sir, I can answer that for you with the emphatic no, no, and hell no. In 1703, Mobile, Alabama, I wish we would have represented a little bit better on the football field in New Orleans, but appreciate you for stopping by and look forward to talking to you next week, Chris. Thanks, guys. The final drive here on WNSP 105.5. We'll be right back.
6: Hey, everybody, this is Gabe Gross, and you're listening to WNSP
2: 105.5. The Golf Report brought to you by Dan Hart, LLC, engineered products and services coming to you from John Rachetti And Rachetti I know the headlines going into tonight's show will be Ryder Cup and Ryder Cup selections
1: yeah yeah no question about it. I mean uh, guys so now I guess we got the stage set for the Ryder Cup in Rome at the end of the month uh, in Italy it should be I think I mean everywhere is really everybody's really leaning hard on the American. but you know I looked at the uh, European team. I mean Cor uh, I tell you I think I, I think they're pretty good. Uh, I really do. I mean you know plus we got to go in hostile environment. I mean, you look at their six guys that made that team. Victor Hovland, uh, he's real good. John Rahm, he's real good. Robert McIntyre, he's a good player. Uh, Rory McElroy, we know how good he is. Terrell Hatton, eh. And then you got Matthew Fitzpatrick, that's real good, too. So you look at those six guys, in my opinion, you got, you know, you got about four heavyweights that are really, really good. So they're top. And then you look at the selections that they made, that uh, you know they just made this last week, and Luke Donald, and uh, I guess I guess it was, yeah, yeah, it was yesterday. But uh, um, you know, I, you look good, Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, that you know you got Justin Rose on that team. I mean, they're real, really good. And uh, I think, and then you know that the kid that kid that uh, he just won on the European Tour this last weekend. They picked him so. Uh, it's a change of the guard in the Ryder Cup, especially for the European team, with the likes of Poulter and uh, Garcia not there. But uh, I think it's going to be quite interesting. But I, I really do believe the Americans will win. Uh, but I just don't think as much that there's a lot of people in the media extremely confident that it's going to be a runaway, and I just do not see it.
2: Well, we're looking forward to when the Ryder Cup does take place because there's been so much talk about this team that has been assembled, and I know you always assemble a great team wherever location you will be coming from tonight. Tonight, what is the location for the Miller Lite-John Reschetti's golf show?
1: Well, we're going to be at Felix's Fish Camp tonight, and it's going to obviously be a good show. Talk about the Walker Cup, the Americans coming back and winning that this this one in St. Andrews, uh, two two Alabama kids uh, residing from Birmingham. We know Nick Dunlop, who plays golf at the University of uh, Alabama, and uh, he's uh, just won the U.S. Amateur. He was on that team a lot. I mean, you know, just Gordon Sargent from Birmingham that plays at Vanderbilt. Uh, so it's going to be good. And I think uh, I seen I seen like Luke Nick Dunlop was named to the uh, watch of the haskins award so for college top player, so he's on that watch list so both those guys uh i would not be surprised if one of those two guys wins the haskins award this year for the best college golfer in all of america so it should be good we'll talk all about that tonight at six o'clock
2: John Reschetti's Villa Light Golf Show coming to you at six o'clock p.m. from Felix's Fish House. Want to thank John for taking time out of his schedule to give us a little preview and sneak peek into what his show is going to be all about. You don't want to miss our next guest, Tim Brando. That's right, Tim Brando, the original host of College Game Day, and of course now at Fox Sports timmy's top 10 we'll get the breakdown of why tim brando's top 10 is the way it is is he a believer like oh, nick wiggins is in deon so. sanders we'll talk to tim brando coming up next here on the final drive
0: Chris Samuels, you're listening to WNSP 105.5. Roll Tide, and God bless.
2: Welcome back to the Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Bounty, along with Nick Wiggins, joining you on this Tuesday afternoon, and Nick is waiting to try to get a hold of tim brando and hopefully we'll be able to get him on very shortly here and as we were talking before the break you're in a situation to where colorado jumps in this top 25 and the deon sanders hype train is definitely in full effect and i think that you just have to, you have to wait for that train to continue to, to gain momentum. And if that train gains momentum, then you're in great shape. If it doesn't and it derails itself, look, this is a team that only came off of one win a year ago. And when you only have one win, you, you, the expectations are not that high. The bar is not unreachable for you to jump over at Colorado. And and that's one of the things, look, I'll give mad props to Deion Sanders for doing what he did on Saturday. Going on the road to take on TCU is no easy task to get a victory. And, and it is not the same TCU team that played for the national championship a year ago, but it's still a very good TCU program. And when you look at Georgia continuing to take the role of number one in the entire country. No question that Georgia probably didn't do things the prettiest of ways in their opening victory this weekend, but not a lot of teams really have done things absolutely the sexy way when you look at the biggest improvement being from week one to week two in college football. So I'm really looking forward to, to seeing how this matchup finds itself on paper here with Nebraska and Colorado, a very historic matchup, a trending matchup. We'll see how all that unfolds and unwinds itself. Not only is Colorado breaking the top 25, TCU, you try to get them to go ahead and drop out of the top 25. I know Alabama, Climbs up a little bit in the poll, and we'll see how they wind up dropping if they are in a situation to where they lose to Texas. Nick Wiggins said that Alabama will lose to Texas, so we'll see exactly how that plays itself out.
4: Yeah, that's my hope, at least. um, Look, y'all I think I just am always speaking out of my ass. Look, I can admit that Alabama looked better than Texas on Saturday, I can admit that, but we'll see what happens on Saturday. I still think uh, Texas has the edge. Milrow looked really good, but hey, now we've got the film to study on Milrow to see, you know, what that Texas defense can do to plan against that scrambling attack. Maybe you can try to keep him in the pocket, make him make some throws. Uh, I think, I don't know if it was Gordy uh, or Alabama guest earlier, but You know, he he even said, Milrose, those deep balls looked a little slow. Like a corner could have jumped in and got that. But, look, Milrose looked awesome. So, we'll see what happens. And, look, in the app, shout out to my believers who have come to defend me and stand by my side, right? Look, they they treating us like they treating Dion. They don't believe. They're scared. All right? And we're going to see – Look, TCU, man, they were in the national championship for a reason, and Colorado beat them. They were a three-touchdown favorite, all right? Quit moving the goalposts for my guy, primetime, all right? And Alabama, Texas, we'll we'll, we'll see how that goes, but I got to rock with my longhorns. I'm still rocking with LSU. They're not out of it yet. Yes, it was a tough week one for Team Nick Wiggins, but... That's all right. Hey, what did I say yesterday? The most dangerous dog is the one that's been beaten and abused. So I'm expecting Brian Kelly and the LSU Tigers to come out fighting from here on out.
2: Well, we'll see how they are going to have to fight because there's a lot of teams that when you look at having that first loss, that's what's going to be critical. How you bounce back from that first loss, and I know that clemson did not expect to lose the way they did to duke last night and we have fair hope's finest riley leonard that really put on a show for duke and had that phenomenal run and tim brando joins us right now national sports commentator for fox sports timmy b how's it going my brother
6: i'm good Corey. great to be with you and uh What a
2: first week, huh? Absolutely. It it doesn't get any better. And I want to jump right in. The AP Top 25 came out today with Clemson and Duke finishing up play last night. But we got to go over Timmy B's Top 10 after week one of play.
6: Yeah, well, you know, mine's a lot different than what you'll see in the coaches poll. It's a lot different than what you'll see in the AP poll. Uh, Just as my preseason Top ten, which is uh, more of a prediction of how I think it'll finish, not the not the starting grid for the brand names. Uh, the same is true really uh, through the rest of the year. I um, I will base my top ten and the, the teams that are just out. Usually, it's somewhere between five to seven teams uh, that I that I leave just out because once you get past, I think the top seven or eight teams, uh, you could put probably as many as gosh, 15 to 20 things, maybe more uh, in a, a so-called top 25. I've never I've never agreed with having a complete 25. I think you start struggling uh, to find, you know, numbers 18 through 25 because of the balance and so much that we don't know. There's so many teams, 133 Division I teams. It's not really fair, in my opinion, to, to try to rank some over the other. But that's what I'd like to do, and it um, it, it always... Uh, boggles the minds of a few because not everybody looks at it the same way I look at it, and I get that. Uh, but but bottom line is each week I sort of wipe the slate clean. Where I have a team ranked one week has nothing to do with where I'm going to rank them the week afterwards. By example, uh, Florida State was not in my preseason top ten. Clemson was. Well, obviously I was wrong. Florida State had the most impressive win, I thought, of the weekend in terms of level of talent, playing in a so-called uh, neutral location, but still it was a tough say tough opponent, and they dominated. Uh, so you got to give a team like that a lot of credit. So I moved them way up. Uh, and the same is true for a few other teams. I'm sure there's some questions about why I don't have Ohio State uh, ranked anywhere. Well, I just thought they were very unimpressive against a pedestrian Indiana team. Their offense really struggled, and so they get no points from me uh, this week. And that isn't to say that they won't be a top ten team or a top five team. Hell, they may even be in the college football playoff. But that's how I like to do it, and uh, it's my top ten. And it's 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 that's just like anybody can have their own top ten. That's that's the way I view it.
4: Well, Tim, I got a question for you. Do you believe? I lost you. <laughs> do, do you – are you buying what Coach Prime and the Buffaloes are selling and what they did on Saturday? Do you
6: believe? Yeah. Yeah, I believe, but not enough to put them in my top ten and not enough to put them in the just-out category. And, and the reason for that is pretty simple. We don't know enough about them or the team they beat. You know, I thought DCU coming in was certainly a top 15 to top 20 team. They were ranked 17th. But how do we really know? I mean, TCU had not seen any film on, on, on Prime's team. No one had. The only one that knew... What Deion Sanders had was Deion Sanders. No coaching staff, no team could have seen any film on this club and had a clue of what to expect. And that certainly hurt PCU in this game. And now I think it'll be interesting to see because playing Nebraska, Matt Rule will have had an advantage over, over Sonny Dykes in that he will have seen what, what Colorado's all about. His coaching staff, his coordinators, they're going to have tendencies uh, that they see from that game one film, which, which is huge to me. So this is a very important game, too, in terms of the overall credibility of what Colorado definitely accomplished in week one. It was huge. It was transformational. We've never seen anything like it, uh, Corey, in the history of college football. But that doesn't mean it sustains. That doesn't mean it sustains even into week two. We'll find out, and then I'll really believe, and I'll have them (laughs) right. I
2: I will say this, too, Timmy B. You've been around Baton Rouge plenty of times down there in the Bayou. Were you absolutely floored and shocked with Florida State scoring 31 unanswered against Brian Kelly and LSU just being unable to answer the bell and – a lot of people again have LSU bouncing back the same way they did one year ago, but now that LSU drops to 14 in the AP polls, or do they do they bounce back from this? Of course, against Grambling they do, but as they enter yeah. SEC play,
6: you know, listen, um, they're 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 jumping off the you know the Mississippi River Bridge down there. Those fans, <laughs> okay, they. <laughs> hey. Just like they were this time a year ago, okay? And I had said going into last season that LSU would win 10 games and contend for the Western Division title. And that was before the season started. And after they lost to Florida State, they all thought I was out of my mind. Uh, and and maybe maybe I was then. Hell, I don't know. Maybe I am now. Uh, I dropped them all the way out of my – that was a poor performance in the second half. I mean, they got their – They they got their doors blown off. Uh, That performance was not worthy of being ranked or even being in my just-out category. The difference with this year from last year is that that LSU team last season had a little grit about them after they had screwed up and basically been outplayed for three and a half quarters. They mounted a, a comeback. And were it not for a blocked extra point, would have gone to overtime. This LSU team rolled over. I mean, it just absolutely rolled over. Did not compete uh, in the second half. I saw a number of noticeable issues. First, their offensive line. I mean, uh, Daniels had no time to throw the football. Even out of a shotgun, he had no time. Uh, Florida State was just all over the kids. The other factor that, that, that I can't get past is how bad LSU secondary was. Now, that's an area where they went to the transfer portal and thought they had replaced a number of quality players. Well, at least in week one, uh, that's not the case. So, we'll see. They basically have these next uh, 10 to 14 days to get their act together before they play Mississippi State. You know, where the rubber meets the road is what happens when you go into SEC play. And that'll be, as you know, against the quality quarterback uh, that's been around, a veteran uh, of SEC play. And it's in Stark Vegas. So how are you going to perform then? That's that's when we'll know about whether LSU can can come back. Look, I I have every bit of confidence that they have the skilled people from an offensive standpoint, but their offensive line got blown up. They're going to have to really – do some soul-searching about that. And from a defensive standpoint, what they tried to do with Harold Perkins made no sense to me. I mean, they didn't use him to put any pressure on, uh, on Jordan Travis whatsoever. And uh, that, was, that was a mistake. I mean, that was an absolute uh, abject failure. You know, what they did defensively from a schematic standpoint against FSU. Uh, and they're still trying to cover Keon Coleman. (laughs) Um, So I've got more doubts this time about LSU than I did this time a year ago because of those noticeable holes and poor play from guys that I believe LSU thought would step right in from the portal and, and compete at a very high level, and they did not. So we'll see. I still believe that they're uh, in the race, uh, I still believe that uh, Brian Kelly's a hell of a coach, and I think that for the long term, he's he's the answer in Baton Rouge, no question. Um, but the fan base down there has just gone berserk.
2: They
0: have.
6: They're, they're, they've gone berserk. I mean, they're like, fire him again, you know, get prime. Keep crying down here now, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah,
2: that's no, sense. no, it makes, makes no, no sense. Good. We have about four minutes left with you, Tim, before we have to go to this yeah. hard break at the top of the hour. And I wanted to ask you, okay. Nick Saban's got to stop bullying the media, including myself and my partner, Nick Wiggins. But will he be able to bully Bevo and the Texas Longhorns <laughs> this week? Will they find a way to get it done in T-Town? I was pretty interesting
6: to see how some of um my friends in the media uh decided to speak up after I did about what I witnessed in that pressure last week. I appreciate you noticing that. Uh Nick's better than that. I hope he um I hope he improves. I did notice they put a they did put out a, a, a depth chart uh, yeah. before the games. <laughs> yeah. Good for them. Uh I think they'll beat Texas because I think Texas is overrated. Uh I don't think that I don't think that Sark's team is all that. Uh, now, the the confidence that Texas had from last year's performance, a game they very easily could have won and didn't, uh, in my mind was lost because of the way they performed the rest of last year. It's not like they all of a sudden proved what they had over the long haul in the Big 12. The Texas is back narrative. You know, I'm getting so tired of hearing about that. Um, we'll see. Uh, we'll, I, I'll tell you what, Milrow – The overreaction to the success of Milrow and Alabama is also pretty funny to me. (laughs) Uh, Middle Tennessee is not, I repeat, not uh, a defensive football team that's anything close to or similar to what they're going to see in Texas this week or in the SEC the rest of the year. Uh, He'll have to perform at a much higher level, and we'll see. But, But I do think Alabama at home should be able to pull this one out. I'm not a big fan of Texas. I don't think that they are ready for prime time, and that's what they're going to have to be if they hope to get out of uh, out of uh, Tuscaloosa with a victory.
2: Well, i tell you who will be in Tuscaloosa is one Eli Gold, the fantastic broadcaster for the yeah. Crimson Tide Sports Network. Got about a minute left with you here. I know you, you have some really fond memories of and with Eli Gold, for sure, the voice of the Crimson Tide.
6: I do. We've shared a lot of time together on the road and uh, certainly in the SEC. We used to run into one another all the time at uh, Atlanta-Hartsfield International. <laughs> I see a lot of my colleagues there, but he he, he traveled as much and uh, when he was doing NASCAR uh, as I did when I was covering the Braves, the Hawks, doing the NBA, MLB, college football, and beyond. And uh, we've shared a lot of time in the SEC, too. He actually replaced me once on a basketball game at um uh, at uh Georgia when I had I got called out to do a game uh with Billy Packer, he got to work with Al McGuire because Jim Nance uh had some issue and couldn't make it out to Arizona to do the game. And it fulfilled one of his lifelong dreams to get to work on network television and do a game with the great Al McGuire. So I've always reminded Eli that uh you know he owes me one, you know, but I I'll I'll say this. I'll buy all the drinks of whatever he wants when I do finally see him. I was really glad to know that he returned, and I wish him nothing but the best this year. The world is a better place with Eli Gold saying,
2: touchdown Alabama (laughs) absolutely right it doesn't get any better than Tim Brando of course the national sports commentator for Fox Sports Timmy B can't thank you enough for being so gracious with your time we look forward to checking in with you and keeping up to date with Timmy B's top 10 week to week for sure be safe brother you bet Corey we'll
6: do it again sometime soon
2: Tim Brando joining us this afternoon here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. We'll put the finishing touches before we get ready to Chavis' talking football coming up here at 5 o'clock with Tracy and Scott.
5: Hi, I'm Bobby Humphrey, and when I'm in Mobile, I'm listening to WNSP FM 105.5.
4: Before I throw it over to Corey and Scott and Tracy for Chavis Furniture's talking football, I got to give you the opportunity to come and talk football with me and some of the other WNSP guys at the Outsider this Saturday for our Alabama watch party. You can come watch that Texas game with us. Rub it in my face when they're up. Try not to get in your feelings if they're down. Look, come and win a t-shirt. You're going to get a free t-shirt. Enter to win an Alabama jersey. Enter to win Iron Bowl tickets. Beer specials. Food specials. It doesn't get better than that. It does not get better than that. So come out Saturday. Watch the game with us at The Outsider in downtown Mobile. 22 TVs to watch. So I'm sure at least... 11 of them will have the Alabama game on. So there will be some other things on there as well. But guys, it's been a great show. It has been a phenomenal show. Tim Brando, the Timmy B. I was looking at his top 10. This is Tim Brando's top 10, guys. Michigan, Florida State, Georgia, Oregon, Alabama, Alabama. Washington, Penn State, Notre Dame, number nine, Tulane, and number 10, Oregon State. Showing a lot of love to the state of Oregon. When was the last time you saw two Oregon schools in anyone's top 10? I don't know. Maybe Scott Hunter knows. Hey, coming up next. It's the time you've all been waiting for because we got some football to talk about. Chavis Furniture's Talking Football is coming up next.
0: for Chavez Furniture's talking Football. Go, go, go. Stay with us as Scott Hunter and Tracy Turner discuss Alabama, Auburn, South Alabama, the SEC, and college football around the country. Brought to you by Bayou Fasteners and Clutch and & Powertrain. Call now at 694-1055. Or join the discussion on the Sound of Mobile app.
2: Tavis talking football here on WNSP 105.5. Scott Hunter, Tracy Turner may be joining us here shortly, but I'm always privileged to be joined by one of Alabama's greatest quarterbacks of all time and Scott Hunter and it's coming off of Alabama's big time 56-7 win over Middle Tennessee State University and it was the type of performance that you really had to smile at if you were an Alabama fan because the penalties they were very low only two penalties the discipline there the way that Jalen Milrow established and commanded and got into the record books from an Alabama quarterback standpoint it doesn't matter if it is middle tennessee state scott hunter he still needed to be qb1 and it could have been a top five or a top 10 opponent millrose still needed to establish himself in game one and he was
5: able to do yeah that. he had a good outing um uh he ran the team well he showed poise and confidence uh i thought he did uh very well in all areas of, of the quarterbacking except for possession down passing he had uh, I think about three possession down throws and he didn't make good reads and didn't throw the ball well. And of course, the Texas defensive coordinators are are seeing that too and and uh, what I think they'll probably be trying to do is is get him into second long and third long possession down, what we call possession down throwing and don't let him throw the ball on first down. Much of his throwing on first down was out there in a way, but he hit two beautiful yes. deep throws that just perfectly throwing balls. So he's got the arm, uh, and now he just needs to pick it up between, uh, you know, between the ears uh, to, to make his read and pull the trigger and anticipate and pull the trigger. So let's see how that goes against Texas. Two
2: five one six nine four one zero five five is how you can get in touch with us for Chavez's talking football here on WNSP 105 point five and I know we do have a caller on the line. Thank you caller. how are you doing today?
8: Okay this is Jerry I got a uh, comment for Scott uh, Melrose had an excellent opportunity to uh, show his talent uh, and his ability but not so much Simpson and duker.
5: Well, I think uh, looking back at the game, um, Coach Seidman obviously wanted to establish a number one quarterback. Uh, you had to do that uh, going into the game this upcoming weekend. And so I think as well as uh, Milro was playing, he decided to let him stay in there a little bit longer. If he'd gone out there on the flip side of that, Jerry, I think, and and uh, gagged, <laughs> I think you would have yeah. sort of quickly seen uh, Buckner and maybe Simpson a little later, but uh, I think he handled it very well. Uh, it, as I said earlier, uh, all around a good outing. The only area that he has to pick up is what they call possession down passing.
8: Yeah, I uh, noticed also there was a number of pass plays there where he had four and five seconds back there.
5: Yeah, good, um had good protection. Um, I didn't really see the protection break down. Uh, much, uh, I think the, uh, he was looking around. He was finding receivers and so forth. Uh, but, again, you know, the Texans are looking at that thing, and they're seeing what I saw, and that's possession down passing. And, you know, the way you make a living in the NFL is, you know, your mama can throw it on first down. But, you know, third and eight, <laughs> third and eight is where you make a living completing passes.
8: Okay. I just had one other comment. Um I think any of us that watched Colorado and then watched Alabama saw two brilliant quarterback performances uh, back-to-back.
5: Yeah, I'm sorry I didn't I didn't see the Colorado game, but I heard all about it, uh, how well Deion Sanders' son uh, performed. And so uh, that'll be interesting. It, you know, every year there's stories in college football, and I think uh, the story today is obviously Colorado and Deion Sanders' son And obviously, from what we saw last night, uh, Duke is now a story with just a commanding win over Clemson last night. Uh, So, two stories emerged.
8: Absolutely. Okay, one more, and then I'll leave you. Um, During that Alabama game, a wide receiver got a pass and was on his way down the sideline. And uh, I think it was number 42 for Tennessee actually caught up with him and knocked him out of bounds. That was a lot of speed.
5: Yeah, I'm not – uh, you know, I, I'm trying to think of the play you're talking about, but I just can't recall just exactly what that play was, Jerry. Um, yeah, he,
8: he, he would look like it was a just plain breakaway and he was going to be in the end zone in in a couple of seconds. And uh, this um, back came out of on a diagonal. Uh, from the uh, near side of the field and caught him up and knocked him out of bounds, uh, probably around the 20.
5: Now, that shouldn't be happening, considering uh, what they do, what they put into recruiting receivers (laughs) and the speed, the emphasis on speed they put on them. That shouldn't be happening (laughs) when you play Middle Tennessee State to be caught from behind. Uh, Hopefully it was just the guy had an angle on him, and that was the case.
8: Yeah, well, it was a pretty long angle. (laughs)
5: Okay.
8: Okay, great talking with you as usual. Uh, I'll be listening, so uh, carry on. Bye.
2: Appreciate you, Jerry, for calling in. And of course, 251-694-1055 is how you can call and interact. And let us know what you thought about Alabama's big-time 56-7 to win and Auburn's 59 to 14 win over umass and it was one in which auburn got started a little bit slow defensively tracy but once they went ahead and revved it up they made sure for the remaining second third and fourth quarter not only were they going to cover the spread but they were going to play with a lot more poise and a lot more discipline and not give up that explosive play that they had given up early
3: Well, I'm going to hope that some of it was the misalignment um, that Coach Freeze spoke about yesterday, very uh, maybe heatedly. Apparently, they didn't have a very jovial, uh, happy, let's have a a fun Sunday coaches meeting. (laughs) But, uh, you know, know, as I have always said, I I was no coach. My dad was the coach, you know, and uh, maybe it'll skip a generation and, but uh, there's, there's two things that everybody, regardless of talent, can do. They can give you all the effort they've got. When you cross the line, you need to be running. We don't walk to drills. I always hated to see linemen walking back to the huddle. That would have gotten you all kinds of running at any school I was ever at, whether high school or college. And know what you're supposed to do. If, if you're supposed to block, to the left or to the right, if you go to the left or the right, you're already halfway there. Mm-hmm. At least you're going to hit the right guy. And I think Coach Freeze said on defense, UMass had 65 plays. He had defensive misalignment on 15. Well, you know, I'm going to hope that a lot on that first drive where UMass went right down the field was a lot of those. And let's cough that up to maybe some jitters. Um some of the things not feeling comfortable with Coach Roberts' defense, which is new, uh, predicated on pressure, and it seemed as the game went on, that pressure really wore UMass down. That it got to the point, I think, out of the next nine possessions, they had two fumbles, a missed field goal, two turnovers on downs, and four three and outs. That's that that's getting better. So. Let's, let's see if what I said is right because we're going to find out about both teams a lot more. Auburn has to go on a 2,400-mile trip to the left coast, and Alabama entertains a pretty good football
2: team. If you look at the team stats for UMass, if you're defensively, even if Auburn was misaligned, on third down – Auburn was very efficient, only one of nine for UMass. So that's your money down. I don't care how you look at it. If you were misfitted, if you were misaligned, if they were able to pick up first downs, it wasn't on third down, which is always a critical time in any type of football game. That's why we call it money down.
3: And if you only have nine third downs – that, that means you're not winning time of possession, which if you watched the prior UMass game, which I try to watch. I watched some of the Cal game this weekend. You know, they weren't dragging the game out or, as you say, shortening the game to keep Auburn from scoring. So, look, there were a lot of things. That, what did I say, 38-17 to 17 or 20, 38-20? Uh, I thought Auburn – I was worried about the run defense. And after the first series, it was a lot better, mm-hmm. a lot better. You know, so, I mean, there were a lot of good things. No motion penalties. You can ask my wife and my children, even when I'm not involved in the game and really like in the Duke-Clemson game, you know, uh, Baxter talked to the Clemson. I I, I, I wouldn't have any problem with any of my kids going to Clemson. He had always loved Duke. You know, I, I, I was like, it's a football game. I want to watch and see, I guess, Duke a little bit since Riley uh, Leonard. is from here in Fairhope. And, uh, you know, but I see Duke have a chance, and a big transfer right tackle on third and two gets in motion and now makes it third and seven when they were in the red zone. That just causes me to blow up even when I don't care about the game. You know the snap count. If you forget it, watch the ball. Just don't get in motion and cost me five yards. I – probably said that when he got to the sideline they may have to do some surgical removal Mm -hmm. if I was the coach because I would wig out and uh you know Auburn had zero for a first game that's good they just don't need to be misaligned against Kyle Kyle's offense is very explosive we're really good what second round kind of back guy there you know so I mean you give a guy like that an opening and you're lining up for the band to play the
2: <laughs> fight song, fire it up. And, and Auburn and Alabama both. Auburn, four penalties for 40 yards total. That's, that's pretty impressive for a first game. I know 40 yards is almost – half of a football field but at the same time the number of penalties are is what's much lower and alabama only two penalties when you look at the discipline and the way that has been a point of emphasis in the offseason because alabama was the third most penalized team yeah. in the country a year ago so they were able to fix that and they're going to have to keep it fixed reason being a year ago against texas Alabama was penalized for 100 yards. I was there. I saw it. an entire football field, Uh, Scott, and Nick Saban (laughs) always uses the analogy, look, we can't give our opponent anything. We sure can't give them 100 yards, which equates to six or seven points on the board.
5: Well, they emphasized that all during um, fall camp, if you want to call it that. Uh, I didn't – you couldn't see practice, but I suspect – that there were more officials out there watching things and calling penalties to emphasize that. And that's just the way that you get the players' attention is if the offensive linemen are practicing pass protection, you have an official right there watching. And he calls a holding call and tells the position coach, and the position coach chews out the tackle, guard, whoever gets it. And that's the way you um, raise awareness of penalties. You know,
3: Corey, almost every offensive line holding penalty. Look, nowadays I don't know what's holding and not with the wide receivers. (laughs) They're jerking each other, both sides, grabbing jersey and jerking and holding out there in the wide receiver game on both sides. I don't know what's holding and what's not, but almost every offensive lineman called for holding is failure to move his feet
2: exactly and and that's something as fatigue sets in we'll see how that plays into this big game for both auburn and alabama much better matchups for both teams here in the second week of college football and we'll continue to match you up here on the chavis talking football edition of the final drive on wnsp 105.5
3: Everybody, Jennifer Hale here from the NFL on Fox. And you're listening to
1: 105.5 WNSP in Mobile.
0: Welcome back to Chavez Furniture's Talkin' Football on 105.5 FM live at wnsp.com and on the Sound of Mobile app. Once again, Scott Hunter and Tracy Turner.
2: Welcome back to Chavez Talkin' Football here On WNSP 105.5, Corey LeBounty, along with Scott Hunter and Tracy Turner talking a little Alabama and Auburn for real football this time because we've been hyping it up for the spring game. We've been talking in the offseason about the expectations, what we can expect, and both teams really do provide excitement and joy to their fan bases. Auburn in front of a historic Crowd, a record setting crowd of over 88,000 are able to witness the Hugh Freeze era. And Robbie Ashford, he may have thought about quitting the quarterback position after he was named the number two quarterback behind Peyton Thorne. But Robbie Ashford is going to be needed in this system throughout the entire year. Winds up scoring three touchdowns and getting things done and getting things going for Auburn offensively in those shorter goal line situations.
3: Looked like they were running the wing tee. I mean, he was another running back. And we've always talked about that. You know, the good teams, probably this weekend, if you're not worried about the quarterback throwing it, Mm -hmm. then you can scheme to take away if what it's going to be is just a quarterback run. So we would expect that. So at some point, if it's going to continue to be successful, Robbie's going to have to make the other team pay a little bit because they will scheme. I actually was talking to someone today. The running quarterback is a numbers game because normally you play 11 on 10. And so the quarterback, when he reads things, Scott can talk about this, you count numbers. And you try to go, if the defense is – overloaded six to one side and then five to the other, and you can get six over on that side. That's the reason they talk about when you count how many is in the box. If the quarterback comes up to the line and there's only six men in the block, four down and two linebackers, and they're in nickel back, you're going to run the ball because I've got more blockers than you've got players. So the quarterback that can run means you have to account for him running rather than just throwing, and, 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 and defense coordinators can do that. I can assure you the one – because I I like Kevin Steele, uh, personally the one in Tuscaloosa they got he he can account for it. Uh, he still looks as ornery and hard nosed as ever. <laughs> by the way,
5: I was well. Let's talk about that. Um, one thing I did uh, see a marked improvement in was tackling. Mm. Uh, they're both individual one on one tackling and gang tackling. Lots of guys flying to the football, uh, wrapping up. Uh, and what Kevin calls biting the ball, yeah, going through the ball, and so forth, uh, I thought tackling, uh, it was easy to see. That's picked up from last year.
2: And that's something that has to have improved for the alabama crimson tide is again the texas longhorns coming to town if you look at the ap top 25 poll that just came out earlier today alabama does squeeze in at number three auburn starting to get a little love in the top 25 as they get three voting points there It, it just goes to show here If Auburn is able to go ahead and handle business on the West Coast, even if it's in close fashion, if they're able to go ahead and defeat Sanford, which they'll probably be a four or five touchdown favorite there, their first non-conference or their first conference game, rather, on the road at Texas A&M will be huge for Hugh Freeze in the program. And when you look at Alabama already, the expectations without even Nick Saban officially naming a quarterback one until this past week and going into with Jalen Milrow. His backups really didn't have an opportunity, Scott. You said one week ago it's going to take more than two or three series for a quarterback to get into some type of group. Coach Saban decided to stay with Milrow well into the third quarter Were you at all surprised with how long Milrow was staying in
5: for the Alabama
2: Crimson Tide. Well, I think he,
5: since things were going well, he wanted to continue to keep it going well and and see how uh, Jalen did um, with a little more extended series. And again, going back to what I said when we first started talking football today, uh, most of his throws were to the outside and pretty easy throws. He had, I think, about three possession down throws that he really badly missed on, so... That's the area where he's going to have to really pick it up is the second long and third and long, the so-called possession down throws. He got the arm. There's no doubt where everybody saw the two deep balls he hit. Beautiful throws. Uh, he's accurate downfield. But the throwing on possession downs is more about between your ears than it is mm-hmm. what, what kind of arm you got. I also anticipation. Yes. Yeah, I one th- thing I did when say. When you're you throwing know. it in here, Scott,
3: You look. you can talk about <laughs> it. You're – my my wife was talking about this, seeing something. She goes, well, he's not throwing it to him. <laughs> I said, no, he's not. He's throwing it where he's going to be, not where he is now. Because what was your old comment about the Alabama quarterback? It was like
5: chunking rocks at rats if you're just throwing the ball. Just throwing the ball. You're throwing rocks at rats. One of the things he was doing, I, and you can tell when a quarterback is not quite uh, read the coverage and got a firm – thought in his mind about where to go, you'll see his back foot come off the ground. And that's always a clue that uh, he just didn't quite have it all clicking uh, when he threw. So footwork is everything about throwing a football. Uh, I know everybody talks about, oh, he got an arm, he can throw it through a car wash without getting it wet. That doesn't (laughs) matter. If you don't have the footwork, you're not going to throw an accurate pass uh, time time and again and again. Being healthy is something that has been said. Auburn
2: comes out with not a lot of dings coming on the injury report. You look at Coach Saban kind of keeping it close to the vest in regards to his injured defensive backs and his players. So I, I, I wouldn't expect anything else for Nick Saban not to kind of let people know, especially with an outstanding wide receiver like Xavier Worthy is for Texas. And you're looking at a defense last year that running-wise, Alabama did a fairly decent job holding a first-round draft pick in Bijan Robinson to fairly no low numbers rushing the football. But passing the football after Quinn Ewers goes out you, you look at a healthy ewers, Scott, and people say that Texas wins that, win well, that I, game. Well, I,
5: I can't argue with that. I was there sitting there watching it, and I think he was, I don't know, something like 8 of 10 or something of that nature when he got hit and, and, and left the game. And he's a good quarterback. If they protect him well, you're going to need Malachi uh, back out there. And I think Coach Saban said – uh, yesterday that they're just day-to-day at this point. Yes. So the good thing about that is it didn't mean they have a serious injury. It's just a, something you're going to have to just nurse along and be in the training room. you, you got to be over there at 6 o'clock in the morning. you got to be over there before practice in the training room and treating whatever injury it is. And, and hopefully um, you know, a player like Malachi, who's been around a long time, really doesn't altogether need tuesday wednesday and thursday to get ready for the game he just needs to be healthy
2: speaking of health i think breaking news out of the west coast today has been the health of Cal's starting quarterback sam jackson and if he's not able to go as far as auburn and california is concerned the golden bears they did win 58 to 21 over north texas but him taking a hit as he was favoring his left shoulder coming out of that game. If Jackson is not 100% healthy, I know that's something that's going to have Auburn's defense drooling at the mouth to get a hold of Sam Jackson. And we'll see what happens in regards to that line changing him Vegas too. Anytime you're missing a starting quarterback.
3: Well, I'm sure Auburn will prepare as if he starts in 120% healthy and, um, you know, I, I think they will – Coach Roberts, uh, he likes pressure. Pressure is important. You know, turnovers, bad plays. and then we we've talked about that on this show. That's sort of the important thing in modern-day football is when you get against someone as good or almost as good as you, you, you need turnovers, you need bad plays uh, to get, get them behind the chains. So, uh, this will be quite a test. It will be very interesting to see how – how Auburn uh, stacks up out there. And, uh, you know, it's sort of funny. It appears we now have two coaches that are both very disciplined, not not afraid to actually discipline their coaches some and not afraid to tell their players. I still think Coach Freeze is trying to find his linebackers. They, they must have got left in Columbus and didn't make the trip back to Auburn for the game because uh, I think linebackers had two tackles in the whole game or something like that. So that that can't happen against Cal.
2: They're definitely going to have to tackle well. We'll talk about Cal's running game as they ran up 357 rushing yards against North Texas a week ago. And it's not going to be the same caliber opponent as the Auburn Tigers. But we'll talk more about what Alabama and Auburn both have to be and have to do to sustain successful defenses against their opponents this week. Chavis talking football here on WNSP 105.5. We'll resume shortly.
3: I'm Laura Rutledge with ESPN. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. Keep it right here for the best sports information in Mobile.
0: Welcome back to Chavis Furniture's Talking Football on 105.5 FM, live at WNSP.com and on the Sound of Mobile app. Once again, Scott Hunter and Tracy Turner.
2: Welcome back to Chavis Talking Football here on WNSP 105.5 and wanted to talk to and address the rushing Factor. Nick Wiggins and I talked about it yesterday on our show. Alabama, when you look at their leading rusher being their quarterback in Jalen Milrow, Scott, the success for Alabama can't be predicated on Miro leading the team in rushing week in and week out. Yeah. I think that you have to have McClellan and Roydale Williams yeah. and Justice Hayes to, to pop off some big ones in front of this big offensive line.
5: Well, you're talking about two different things here, Corey. A, a quarterback running is scrambling or something of that. You know, he dropped the ball one time and then ran in for a touchdown. You don't compare that to a, a running back running. Those two things just don't, you know, they're two different things altogether. Running running the football with running backs, um, you know, you're looking for a guy to get you five yards to give you a second and five and so forth. A quarterback running the ball, you know, scrambling and something of that nature, uh, kind of don't even think about that as a rushing statistic. That's just a great player statistic said the main thing is when you break it down you want a running game which allows you to average around five to six yards a carry and puts you in a good position where from a play calling standpoint of having second and fives and third and threes and that sort of thing that's what a good solid running game gives you
2: i'm definitely going to keep an eye on what you just mentioned as far as the average per carry you look at jace mcclellan right he had 10 carries for only 39 yards 3.9 yards per pop with one touchdown and you look at justice haynes the freshman comes in four carries for 29 yards averaging 7.3 yards per pop so
5: if you're Uh, rushing
2: the football uh, and you're able to get productive numbers and set up shorter sticks i Uh, think that's
5: great again don't don't place so much attention to a particular player mm-hmm. look at it as an overall statistic and uh, if we're going to run the ball 35 to 40 times in a game I don't care if it's Joe Smith or Tom Smith that's running the football <laughs> as long as we average plus five yards uh, this is helping us get ahead of the defense and stay ahead in the play calling only two sacks Giving up by the Crimson Tide.
2: So, not really bad. You would like to see and keep your quarterback clean for certain. Now, on the other side, as far as the Auburn Tigers are concerned, the rushing game, again, led by Robbie Asper, and him having a lot of success there running the football. And I think that that's going to be important for. Auburn, especially without, no one has heard whether Jarquez Hunter is going to be making that trip to the left coast or not. We did see him in street clothes on the sidelines for the Auburn Tigers. And whether he is going to play or not, I think that that is one of the biggest questions as far as getting Auburn's rushing attack established. But what great balance. Sean Jackson comes in, Jeremiah Cobb, along with Damari Alston having, Tremendous numbers rushing the football in regards to in-burst, a long 45-yard run by Sean Jackson, and that's huge. And what you want to see, too, is the consistency from the receivers, 14 total receptions for the Auburn Receiving Corps, and that being led by Malcolm Johnson, Jr. But you surely want to see Auburn get that great push and show SEC speed and SEC strength as they head over to the left coast and play California next week, Tracy. Absolutely, and I think I was just
3: trying to look it up because I don't want to say wrong, but I'm pretty sure that one of the uh, Auburn beat writers said that Jarquez actually
2: practiced yesterday. That's good. I mean, again, listed as the QB1, excuse me, RB1 on the depth chart that was provided, but didn't find out till on Thursday when we had the war report, Mike Gittins on to report that he said on Thursday he knew that, it was not going to happen for Jarquez. And that, that's a tough situation when you're really relying on But it is that next man up, next person up syndrome. And as far as being the next person up, Caleb Downs and Jalen Miro both receiving SEC Player of the Week honors. No surprise by either one of these as Scott, we've been talking about Caleb Downs since his arrival no, in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. And Miro really had a great game.
5: Yeah, both of them. Um, what do you say? Uh, they came out, they did what they should do, and what was expected of them. And so, uh, kudos to that. And let's, let's say, what what the entire team seemed to accomplish is getting themselves, as we said here last week. When you play a team like that, you don't look to maybe so much win the game. It's important to win the game, but you you look toward playing a perfect game and that's what i was looking out there for and we've already spoken about the penalties or, or few penalties Alabama got and i didn't see a lot of blown assignments i saw really good offensive pa- pass blocking uh, coordinated as tracy has often said and i picked up that offensive lines aren't five different position it's one position and if one guy breaks down everything breaks mm-hmm. down so i like what i saw there I like what I, the play out of the linebackers. Deontay Lawson, uh, I like what I saw him doing. You know, when he gets to the ball carrier, uh, he brings enough lead in his ass <laughs> that the ball carrier goes down. And nothing against the middle linebacker last year it was all SEC, but he just didn't bring enough lead uh, <laughs> when he came. Uh, but Deontay Lawson—he brings lead with him, he d- and he he puts them down.
2: He, it's like he's shot out <laughs> of that bullet, or like out of a gun. That type of lead he's gonna bring. Of course, seven tacks, tackles, two tackles for loss, and one sack for Deontay Lawson. Mobile Christians own, and you like to yeah. see when local players. And, and
5: he was calling represent- all the defensive signals that you know Kevin or the defensive. Uh, guy on the sidelines signals in. He's calling all the signals. And I didn't see anybody look like that they, they looked like they didn't know where they should line up. Uh, and I, one thing that Alabama also did was they're stronger in the middle at the one, two, and three holes on defense. You didn't see anybody moving or running up the middle. And that's a good thing because that goes back to my old adage here years ago. Somebody called and said, how do we beat Auburn? I said, it's easy. Stop him on third and
2: three. It's so huge, Scott. That money down, and also for Auburn from a health standpoint, Nehemiah Pritchard. I think that's something that you definitely have to keep an eye on. I know that when I was watching the broadcast, when I heard that he was not going to be playing, that that is that reason for concern for the Auburn Tigers defensively because he's such a huge product of a returning factor for Auburn's defense.
3: Well, I mean, I don't expect Coach Freeze to let everybody know whether he's going to be 90, 95, or 100% for this Saturday. But going out to Cal, they they need him on the field. Um, some, some, some of the alignments, even though it was the line, it appears, and the linebackers more than it was the DBs, you know, you need a guy who's been there four years out there to help settle you in and not only has he got four years of experience, he's a very talented uh assuming that it's not the old way. You know, in the old in the old days, if they listed you at six three, you really were about six one. What'd they list you at, Scott? About six five and
5: you were six three? No, no, I was always 6'2". Six, six, <laughs> well two hundred and coach bright says don't you get over two ten. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, they got Nehemiah up to six foot. So, so they're being kind to him from a maybe that's with with the with the hair. Well, we'll we'll
3: know when he gets down here to the Senior Bowl, and they measure him out at five ten and a quarter size and weight
2: (laughs) that'll be given. We have a caller that is called in here to the Chavis Talking Football caller. Go right ahead.
6: Hey guys, this Alabama National Boy. Uh, Hey Scott. Hey Harry. Um, Question on the. Starting defensive backs playing on special teams, I know they're trying to showcase their talent for the next level and some of them, that's the way they're going to win a spot on an NFL roster, but man, when the game's in hand, it sure makes me nervous to see our starting DBs on the kick return team and three of them wind up hurt. Uh, What's the latest info on those injuries, if you guys you
5: know. Yeah, we talked about it earlier. Um, as Coach Saban said, and this is the only thing we'll get out of there, it's a day-to-day thing with Malachi Moore and the other defensive back that's injured. It's a day-to-day thing. Well, the good thing in that is uh, he didn't say, well, we they're not going to be able to play against Texas, and we know that because they've got X, Y, Z. But when they, he says day-to-day, that means uh, they're hitting the uh, – training room probably at six o'clock in the morning and again at three o'clock in the afternoon and nursing things along and and should be when you hear that uh, it's a thursday friday decision uh to wait till then so but i'm optimistic that come thursday or friday uh, they'll respond they only got about a gig in dollar uh, training room <laughs> up there with all the facilities and everything else. I mean, good Lord, they can uh, they can rescue you <laughs> in a, in a moment with anything. So. Uh, I, I i would expect those two players to be ready to play against texas jalen
2: key recorded an interception against middle tennessee that uab transfer so he was effective immediately and made yeah. his presence felt and of course malachi moore we feel like he's been around forever with this alabama program
5: playing since he was a true freshman and, and boy Corey, you the point there again i did not see the secondary out of position and kind of lost if you will as they were at sometimes last year particularly like against tennessee i didn't see any of that out there the other night it looks like it was well coordinated uh so kevin Steele is coming in there and i think he's done a difference with that defense what, what as we the- mentioned earlier Corey. some of that loss may have
3: filtered its way down the Mississippi-Alabama line and landed <laughs> down in South Alabama for Saturday night.
2: It didn't look too pretty there for the Jaguars versus Tulane. A little bit, 17-24, to 24, and then it got away from the Jaguars. So we'll see if they can bounce back this Saturday against at home in their home opener against Southeastern Louisiana. Chavez talking football here on WNSP 105.5. We'll be back. For the closing ceremonies, we'll get our predictions and previews for next week's contest.
0: Hi, this is Blake Stein, former Spring Hill Badger and Kansas City Royal, and you're listening to WNSP Sports Radio.